lives do we have to lose to addictions? With the opioid crisis happening in every square mile of our country, we must find some concrete answers. Thanks for joining Imagine Publicity on Air today, who is partnering partnering with FBI Citizens Academy to bring you a three-part series on the opioid crisis from three different perspectives, the addict, the law, and the legislation. Also discussed will be the intersection of the opioid crisis and how it relates to another crisis, human trafficking. I'm Delilah Jones, the host of Imagine Publicity on Air. For this very important three-part series, I'm going to sit in the back seat and hand over the hosting to Jillian Moss-Backman, who has her own podcast, Change Already. Jillian is an award-winning former FM radio host, author, and authority in leadership development and intuitive intelligence. Her clients include high-profile professionals, educational institutions, and businesses nationwide. And you can learn more about her at JillianMossBackman.com. A big welcome, Jillian, and hey, thank you so much for stepping up for this important event, and I'm going to hand the keys over to you right now. Well, thank you, Delilah. First and foremost, I'd like to thank you, Delilah Jones and Imagine Publicity, for allowing me to guest host this series on such an important real-time issue plaguing our community. You know, back at some point, we used to have the saying that everyone, every family, and everyone was touched by alcohol, and it's seems at this point in real time, we have to replace the word alcohol with opioids. And that just breaks my heart. So for the next hours, we're going to be delving into that social fight against the epidemic, highlighting different guests, as Delilah mentioned, from moms who are boots on the ground and their approach of helping each other through this crisis and state representatives that are doing their part, and also an attorney who understands both sides of the law. So I think it's only fitting that we start at the beginning. Some people understand what opioid addiction is, and some don't. So I think it's important that we start with our first guest this week, who is Janice Wright Collier, representing the addiction, Addictive Moms. And it's exactly what it sounds like, moms that are in the trenches that have been fighting to help save their loved ones from this awful addiction. Welcome, Janice. Thank you. And it's the addicts, mom. I'm sorry. I did. I said addictive, and then I said addicts, mom. Thanks. I know. I'm I'm like, I got it down, but we got to get it right. So, first of all, tell me and our guests a little bit about yourself and how, unfortunately, you got involved in all of this. Um, my son started um, using drugs, started with pot when he was 15, and it progressed over the next 10 years to what ended up being heroin. And I pretty much was sitting at my house feeling like I was the only mom on the planet because you just don't talk about stuff like that. And I posted something on Facebook and a girl that I was friends with through my work said, maybe you need to join this group called the Addicts Mom. And well, I didn't know anything about it, so I joined it. And 
I went from feeling so alone to feeling like I had a thousand, thousands of people in my court and I could ask questions and the the thing that they, you know, really stand on is sharing without shame. Um, many moms sit at home and they're afraid to talk about that they have a child or children with addiction. And if you do talk about it, then people look down on you like you're a bad parent. So there's just so much stigma and shame attached to having a child with addiction. And when I joined that group, it just opened a whole new world for me. I actually got to meet people in my local community. And I'm still friends. We have a huge group of of moms now that um, we talk every day. We share. We reach out when we know something's bothering the one or whatever because a lot of times we'll start to isolate if something's going on and that's not a good healthy place to be so well first of all it was a good thing that you had the foresight to reach out to someone else before you started going down and being involved and getting your own health involved in um, the addicts it's a very hard road one of the things, I know you can't really describe what opioids actually mean, but from a layman's term, we're talking a huge spectrum from prescription drugs to heroin. And I think, Janice, when you say the word heroin, a lot of people turn off because they don't say, oh, that's something, it's so egregious and so frightening and it's so out of people's thought that ordinary people can get heroin off the street, but usually it starts with prescription drugs or alcohol. Did you see that in your family? Was there a progression to this addiction in your family? Absolutely. Um, My son had always, you know, experimented with different drugs, and he didn't tell me until later that he had bought $800 worth of roxycodone, which is a form of an opioid. Um, off the street and I think that's what started his addiction he did have pain from sciatica so I think that's what probably got him started and then it just rollerballed into eventually heroin which I didn't realize until much later in the game Um, and the hell that we go through as a mom I was a single mom so there's a lot of single moms that um, have children that are addicted not always but a lot and um it's just, it's like a roller coaster of emotions. That's the best I can describe it because you love them and you want to fix them. But if you start educating yourself about the disease of addiction, you can't, you realize that you cannot help them. Um, you just can't. <laughs> so having a support group is huge. Having other moms that know what you're going through and can be a sounding board and just, it's just a wonderful network of women. So. And I want to go back a little bit and talk about something that you said inside of that, which was you were probably thinking you were a good mom when your son went, did you say he had an injury that started with the prescription oxycodone or what led him to that path? Um, He had just sciatica and I don't think given a prescription for pain pills. He did break his thumb one time and did get a prescription for some sort of pain pill then. Um, I He just had a family history. So family history is a huge part. Um, childhood trauma. His father was an addict. So 
there's just so many things that enter into becoming an addict, although some people can try heroin the first time and they're hooked. I mean, I've studied it, unfortunately, for several years now, going on five years, because I, I feel like education is the key to conquering this thing eventually. The more we know, the it's power. We just have power with, with knowledge. So I just totally read every day something about addiction so that I can hopefully help somebody. And when you started down this path with your son, were there some red flags that started coming up that you kind of went, "Uh uh-oh, something's wrong here? Or was it a slow progression and then it just kind of hit the wall? You know, there's all different kind of stories out there. What was your individual story that started you tipping yourself off to this, something isn't right with this, with my son? Right. The very first thing that made me question was all of my spoons started coming up missing. Oh, I've heard, you know what? I've heard that before. And explain and why that would be for for those well, of us well, that don't understand it. Yeah, they use the spoons to heat up the heroin with water and then they draw it up into a syringe. So um, he was taking the spoons and I guess maybe eventually throwing them away. But I ended up having, like I had just gotten new silverware and I had no spoons, no little teaspoons. So I had to go buy new ones. And I kept asking him, where are the teaspoons? He's like, I don't know, Mom. I don't know what you're talking about. So there was a lot of denial, a lot of time spent in the bathroom with the water running. Um, mm. Always had a backpack with him. So now in in hindsight, I realize all those things were signs of heroin abuse and addiction. At the time, I didn't know. Um, he had a job and he never had any money. That's another thing. Um, he ended up stealing from me. Um, a lot of them do, not all of them, but a lot of them will steal from their parents and other people. Um, girls end up selling their bodies, unfortunately, and end up in very precarious situations. So, the, And it's a disease. I just want to really focus on that, that they don't want to be like that. Nobody does. I didn't realize that at first, but I do now. And my son is in recovery from heroin addiction today. That's what I was going to ask you. What was the end result of all this, and how did you get help for him? And then I want to go to help for you. How did you get help for him, and what did you do? Um, golly, how did I get this? Um, I, it was just, the, if I just think about the years and, and him being in and out of jail, I never got him out of jail. That was one thing that I told him, if you get, put in jail for shoplifting or whatever. Um, I'm not getting you out, so do not call me. You're wasting your time. So he spent a lot of time in jail, so that's what I consider clean time. The first time he got put in jail, I was appalled and so embarrassed, and I thought, I'm I'm never going to be able to show my face again. And then at the end of the addiction, I was glad when he was in jail because I knew that he wasn't out on the streets using. So talk about a change in attitude. Like, you know, I'm appalled that my son's in jail. Like, oh my gosh, I can't tell anybody this. And now I'm glad he's in jail because he's safe and he's got somewhere to lay his head and meals. So um, I had just really come to the end of my rope. He he had escalated and 
I think, was, was really just trying to – he wanted to quit, but he couldn't. And that's the thing. They want to quit. But because of the stigma and the shame that society puts on them, they're afraid to reach out. So um, I was one of those people. I was. I was like, how can you do this to me? I felt like it was a personal affront to me. And then I realized that he couldn't help it. He really, really couldn't help it, and he did not want to be that way. And it kind of happened the night before he went to treatment. I told him I wanted once you go to treatment, you need help. And he ended up stealing his fiance's debit card and some money from her. And I said, that's it. I'm calling the cops. And he started crying. He's like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't stop. So the next day, he ended up, a friend of um, his came and picked him up and drove him to a treatment center in Florence because we don't have any treatment centers here in Myrtle Beach. And that started his road to recovery. And he ended up staying there. It was a four-month program that he ended up staying in that for a year and working in the intake. So he got to talk to moms who were reaching out for their kids, and he got to realize what, what he put me through, really. And he told me, it haunts me what I put you through, Mom. But until they get a clear head, they don't realize that. They, no, they, they just don't. All no. they think about is, I need that drug, and the drug is number one on my list of, of things before food and before water and before sex and before everything. No, drug is number one. They cannot do anything in their day until they know they got money to get their drug, and that's it. And it's sad because right. they get so sick. They're afraid of the withdrawals because they feel like they're going to die when they go through withdrawals. Wow. So So at what age did your son start this whole process? And, you know, how how, how old was he and how old is he now? And so what kind of year span are we talking? Okay, he started with pot when he was 15. Um, I believe he probably drank alcohol and... So it was pretty much pot and alcohol for a long time, but he had, I think, a lot of anger with his father who ended up on crack back in the 90s, and we left. So anyway, it was just a progression over the years. He ended up dropping out of high school, ended up getting his GED later, but he did drop out. He was drunk on Valentine's Day of his senior year, and I just my fight was gone. I had fought and fought to keep him in school because I just, my goal was I wanted to see him graduate. And I, that was just like, and I like had to get that goal up because he wasn't meant to graduate like with his class. It just wasn't. So that was my expectations and, and it just was so heartbreaking, but it's like, that was my expectations, not his. And he had a different road, you know, path to go on. So, um, I'm not sure when it switched over to heroin. I really don't know. Um, there was just, 10 long years of hell, really. Um, we're very close. We've always been very close. He's my baby. I have two older kids that are doing great and always have been. So I never really had to worry about them, but he was my baby. So um, I forget. <laughs> oh, and so how I ended up getting treatment was, ironically, I was had sold my house, moved away, and wouldn't even tell him where I lived. And he ended up in jail, and then he went to a place and had bed bug bites all over him. And the mom and me just, it just broke my heart to see the bed bug bites all over him. So I was like, you can come home as, as long as you're not using. And he came home, and he did good for about two months. And then, um, unfortunately, I had some pain pills that I had left over from a surgery, and he found them. I had hid them very, very well, but 
they can find them. So that's another big thing that people need to know. If you have pain pills in your house, lock them up. Kids will find them. People will come over to your house to look in your medicine cabinets. I mean, I've read all this stuff. But anyway, he found my, my pain pills, and he did them, and that made him go right back to day one, and his addiction started over from that point. I'm not sure when that happened, but I started to notice a change in his behavior, and he was in his room a lot, in the you know, locking the, the, bed, or the bedroom door and the bathroom door. And it just escalated from there until I couldn't take it anymore. And one day we were driving down 17 bypass and he was shooting up in the back of my car and I called the police and I said, my son's shooting up heroin. I want an officer to meet me. So I went to South Strand Hospital and from there he jumped out of the car and the cop met me and told me about probate. I had no idea there was a thing called probate. So I went to do that and you got to go to walk on mental health and say that your, your child's a danger to himself or others. And then from there you go to the probate court. And that never ended up happening because my son decided that he was going to go in because he knew I meant business. I was done. I was so done with all of his shooting up and, and lying and stealing, and I knew that he needed help, and I couldn't give it to him. It's really hard for family to help families. In fact, it's pretty impossible. So Yeah. Okay, um, so... Fast forward, he, if I'm, I'm looking at, you said it was 10 years, so he's 20, they're around 25 now and in treatment. Yes, and he's been, he went to treatment in 2015, um, March 10th, 2015, and at the Alzenist in Florence, and it's a great program. Um, luckily, or unluckily, I had broken my leg at the condo where I went to and I got a little settlement so that was how I had the money to pay for him to go. What they do is you've got to have a pretty large amount of money to get in but then they get him a job so they can work off you know their what it costs to go there and they're pretty much locked down for two weeks with no um, communication with anybody so they're working real hard just you know and he had to detox there so right um, well, so that sounds like you had somewhat of a successful beginning slash ending to his new life as a clean human being. I want to shift our attention to you as a mom, from a mom to another mom. It's hard, and I can't imagine, Janice, the idea. Cutting out a little bit. I can't imagine the pain. I can barely hear you. I'm not sure what happened. Clicking? Okay, I can hear you you a little better now. I'm not sure what that was. I'm sorry. Let me back up again and let me back up and say I can't imagine from one mother to another what it took to have to call the police on your own child. That just makes my heart sink into my stomach, but it sounds like it was the only alternative you had left to save your own child. Yes, that's exactly what I felt at the time. It's a horrible, I can't even, there's no words to describe the feeling. It's just a gut-wrenching sickness. It's it's just horrible. It really is. Um, Like you're just at the end of your rope and you don't know where else to go. Right. 
yeah. So that was my last. I just I knew that he was just going to continue and continue. And like I said, he just gotten out of jail and was at a sh- homeless shelter where he got the bed bugs. So, you know, this was just like, okay, I'm going to let you come home. And then he found my pain pills and he was right back at it. And I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. I've been doing this and doing this and trying to help and trying to do say the right thing. And there's nothing that until they're ready, really, until they're ready to want to get better, there's nothing that a mom can do. But if I can say one thing, they need to always know that they're loved because they don't feel loved. They feel such guilt. They they keep on using because of the shame. Like he knows that he's stealing from me, so I can't live with that shame. I'm going to use some more so I don't have to think about it. And like, that's just a vicious cycle with the opiates and the things that, you know, some of them are forced to do to get the money to buy their drugs causes this just circle of shame. And that's why the addict's mom is a huge thing with, you know, no more shame. We we don't like to, I mean, they need love and compassion. And that's the way that this world's going to have to deal with this, this problem is to get rid of the stigma and the shame. Really. The greatest part about recovery is because, of course, everybody's been touched with it, including myself. When the addict gets attention and they're in recovery or whatever you want to call it, the whole attention goes on to their wellness. Let's get them better. Let's get them focused. And the peripheral people that were helping them get to the place of recovery kind of get lost in that whole shuffle. This is why I like the idea of the addict's mom. Tell me a little bit about the addict's mom. I know we've kind of touched on it, but it sounds like it's a wonderful place for moms to go for their own recovery and wellness and sharing their stories without shame. It was constantly through the website, the words sharing without shame. What does that Uh mean to you, Janice, as a mom with a recovering child? Well, once we start talking about it, it doesn't have the power that it has when we keep it inside. And I really need to talk about the lady who founded the Moon because she's a wonderful lady named Barbara Theodoso, and she found out, I think, like 10 years ago that she had two sons that were addicted. And she just thought this up in her bedroom one night. She's like, there's got to be other moms out there that need help. So she started the Addicts Mom, and I think it started out with like two or three or four people back when it started, and it just has like taken off. You know, one person will say to another, hey, do you belong to this? And then it's just a place where you can go and and find other people that know what you're going through. Um, We do have multiple, you know, state chapters as well. So you don't have to be in the big one if you can't handle it because it's a lot of, a lot of sadness in there. A lot of people are dying. Um, I probably went totally off topic there. But no, I you're just had to fine. put that in about Barbara because she's the founder of it. And like without her having that vision, um, there wouldn't be the addict's mom. So, and it really was something that saved me. Like it got me so educated on what my son was going through, and I realized that. He really didn't want to be mean to me. He just couldn't help it. 
the drug had taken over his soul. So. Yeah, it's, that's exact. That's a perfect word for it. They're, they've become so detached from who they are and their soul work and everything else. What I like about your group is that you don't have to physically go anywhere. The one thing that is the best about this, it's all digital, i.e. online, correct? Meaning it doesn't matter where you're sitting, whether in South Carolina, um, up in the hills of Virginia, or over on the beach, you can be a part of this group wherever you're at. So you don't have to physically get there. That's the best part about it, isn't it? Yes, that's it's wonderful. And there's been many, many, I mean, I get on there every single day. Um, I'm actually one of the many, many administrators. And we have a, a group called the Pregnant Daughters of Addiction. So um, that's just one of the many groups that we have. We have fathers, um, grandparents just everything that you could imagine because it's grown so much since I joined in 2014 and it's now 2019 and it's just really grown and grown and grown over the years that I've been involved. Well, I believe it started with like 2,000 members and it's up to 20,000 moms. That's Mm, a good thing. I think it's 32,000 now. Is it really the last uh-huh. number? Well, that's even better. You know, that's a good thing, sad thing, isn't it, Denise? It's yeah. like that tells you that it's touching every home now and that there's a lot of moms and peripheral people that are involved. I like what you said was about the pregnant moms, and you were telling me that there's either that offshoots have started on this whole thing. There's even a grandmother's group. And why would they have a grandmother's group? Um, Well, that kind of stems off of the the group that I help administer, and that is um, the pregnant daughters. A lot of times um, the people can't get off the drugs and they have children, and the moms of the addicts end up taking the kids and raising them. That happens more than you would even imagine. Um, sometimes the moms can't, or the grandmas can't take them, so they end up in the state as a you know foster child. Um, but if I think mostly, if, if possible, the grandmas will step in. But sometimes, like these girls I read, they they've got like five kids, and the grandmas can't take them all because they're you know 60 years old. Um, I've got a brand new grandbaby um, with my son and and his. Um, significant other who's one and I don't think I could take that that child I'm almost 65 so no I just I don't think I could if I had to I would which I think is what most of these grandmas do you know they they're forced into raising grandchildren so if you go to Walmart and you see an elderly person with a little kid chances are that's a that's probably a grandma raising their grandchild because of addiction and it's oh gosh well, and Everybody. aren't some of the moms in jail because of it? Oh, yes. I mean, you know, it's yeah. not just boys. It's it's girls, too. I mean, women are just as involved as at addictions for other reasons, and it seems like it just touches every aspect. I know that you have a Facebook page. Um, are there other – how do you get involved with that? Do you just sign up? Do you just log in? How does one get involved 
in the addict's mom? Um, well, there's there's several groups, like I was telling you, but there's the main group, which is just um, addictsmom.com, I think is what I said um, in mm-hmm. the email that I sent. So they would go there, and they would have to request to join. Because there are so many people, and this is going to sound really horrible, but there's so many people that are trying to make money off of the addicts by starting recovery places and they actually sell the addicts. It's, it's just ridiculous what's happening with this because it's such a huge problem. So all these people are trying to make money. So there's people that actually try to get into the addicts mom and they're actually with a treatment center and they'll try to broker addicts. So Is know, that true? Yes, it is. So we have to vet them. Yes, it's very true. So very And how do you vet someone, you know, what do well, you do look, that we look and see like, you know, who they're um associated with. Like if they belong to the addicts main group, then if they want to get into like the South Carolina group, obviously they've been vetted already so they can. Um, but you can't just like just anybody can't get in there. You have to be affected. Either a sibling, uh, even there's a lot of kids that have parents that are addicts. So, um, I mean, it's just so far reaching. There are people that are dying of overdoses that are in their 60s and 70s, and there are people that are 14 that are starting to use. So the age is just, it's, it's overwhelming. So there's like certain questions that you have to ask, like, what is your, um, like, why would you want to belong to this group? And can you tell me a little bit about, you know, what's going on um, and why you would want to join this group? Just to vet out people that would have ulterior motives. And there there are people that, that do that. So, um, But if you wanted to join it and you're sincere and you really have a child or a family member that is an addict, it's, you know, you just ask to join and then, Somebody will send you a question by, I think, an instant message or something, and then you answer that, and then if you're okay, then they let you in. And then everybody's afraid to post, but it is private, so, like, people think that it's going out on their whole Facebook page, and it's not. It's going just simply their own group, and it's private, so you have to belong for that to show up on your Facebook page. So walk me through a, a login. So you go into this group. What typically is going on and what topics are you finding in there? Oh, they can range from, please pray. A lot of it is to pray, honestly. Because really? Because that's all we've really got. Yeah, that's really oh. all we've got. There's a lot of like, you know, what would you do? My son's going up for parole. Um or my son stole from me, what would you do? Just a lot of questions, and then there's feedback. Um, from personal experience, strength, and hope, which comes from the Naranon group. We actually also have go-to meetings with Naranon, I think two or three times a week. Okay. That's through mm-hmm. the Addicts Mom. Um, so, I mean, it's just like, you know, and, you, and we have to be kind. There's no cursing. It's a wonderful group. Um and it, it, but it's heartbreaking. It can be heartbreaking because there's a lot of people that are dying. I mean, 72,000 people died in 2017, and we don't even know about 2018, but I'm sure it's higher. Um, well, and you were telling us in Horry County how many have passed over since the beginning of 2019, and that was as of two days ago. So hopefully there's no more, but there's a bad batch of drugs here probably with lots of fentanyl in it. 
to kill that many people in four days. I think it was four four or five days that the ten died. So just it's horrible. It's unprecedented. That's that so sad. And horrible. I think a lot of them are very young, yeah. Like they're in their probably late teens, early twenties. Well, it sounds like yeah. you've been in the game for a while, Denise. Are you seeing anything happening that's at least hopeful that we're getting a handle on what's happening out there on the streets? Or is it just getting progressively worse? I know that's a big question uh-huh. to ask you, but it's you're on boots question. on the ground. Yeah. Um, there's so many areas that need to be addressed. I can't even begin to tell you. Like education, I think, is, is key. Getting in the schools and telling, educating parents, educating kids is huge. Um, getting somehow ways to keep, because the, the Chinese are sending fentanyl in here. The, I think it's coming through Mexico, too. So the fentanyl is what's really killing these kids, not the heroin. It's the fentanyl that, that the heroin is being cut with now. Um, and that's like a grain of salt. Like two grains of salt is enough to kill somebody. Oh, Because it's like oh, in micrograms instead of milligrams. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's probably what's killed all these 10 people. It's probably heroin mixed with fentanyl. And then some people are finding fentanyl in the cocaine. So if you think you're going to be doing cocaine and it's cut with fentanyl, you're going to die because you think you're doing cocaine. So it's just really people need to just not use, um, if they haven't yet, and how to get that message out. That's that's where my head just gets so boggled down, and I just pray and pray. So that's really what the addict's mom is about, prayer. Like, please pray for my kids. They just left. Um, I haven't seen them in three months. There's, it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's overwhelming. It really, really is. So we really need everybody to join forces and stop the stigma, like the addict's mom's. You know, that's what they say, stop the stigma, sharing without shame. And if we can just come out and talk about it, people need to talk about this. This It's not going away. It's not. And it's getting worse. And people need to not look down on these people. They are not bad people. My son right now, I mean, he always was. Even when he was addicted, he was inside without the drugs. He was still a kind-hearted. He'd give the shirt off his back to anybody. And most of them will. If you meet an addict and they're, and you get to really talking to them. I know that they're scary sometimes. You see them and they're scary. But deep down inside, if they didn't have that drug, they're just kind-hearted. Most of them had loving, loving parents. They were in sports. They were cheerleaders, you know. And they were loved. Most of all, they were loved. And then this drug gets a hold of them and it just takes them. It just takes our kids away. And it's horrible. It's horrible. And the, and the it reality is, is- it has nothing to do with socioeconomic groups. It has nothing to do with the parents, quite frankly. It does and it doesn't. Like you said, it is hereditary. They have shown studies of that. But as a mom, I can't imagine. I know how much, and you can hear the love that you have for your son in your heart, in your voice. I'm sure the addict's mom really touches on it's not our fault. That's got no. to be a big issue in online, that it is not our fault. We are good mothers, and we will continue to be good mothers, whatever that takes. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's not a mom that, that doesn't love their kids and wants the best for them. I'm not saying, you know, there there are, like when Joe 
mean, honestly, I had guilt over if I could have done something different, maybe he wouldn't be an addict, you know. But of course. I came to realize that the only person that's powerful enough to do that is God. I don't have that power. So the only thing that I've got is prayer, and that's what I hung on to. And I took prayers. That is one thing that I did talk about at my church. I did go to my church and ask for prayers for my son. I didn't talk to my friends about it because their kids are all going to college, and here's my son out on the streets, stealing, going to jail. So I didn't really feel like I could talk to my old friends that, you know, when my kid was playing sports in high school. I, I couldn't relate to them, so I had to find a group of people where I could relate. And the only place I felt I could share publicly was in my church. And I just felt like that's all I got is prayer, so please pray for my son. And I really feel like that and his jail time is what kept him and has him in a place where he is today. So, and sometimes, you know, for whatever reason, God takes him home. That's what's so heartbreaking and and is, is so touching. I just was talking to a mom the other day who's lost two sons. This well, in 2018, um, one that the first time he did it, it was pure fentanyl, and he died, and he was 18. And then, oh, like God. eight months later, his, her other son died, and she just holds on to her faith in God, and that God picked her, and she's going to do something with this. Right now is not the time because her last son just died just a few months ago, but she's going to be a big person to like help us all because. We need to all join together. We really do. The Addicts Mom is huge. Like we've got, you know, every state has a chapter and all these other little subgroups, like Spiritual Mom, Spiritual Mom for people that love to pray and and then, the you know, Pregnant Daughter's Mom and or Addicts Mom thing and just all kinds of different subgroups. But we all join together and we, we um, as a group, a lot, I haven't done it yet, but they go to the Fed Up Rally in Washington, D.C., um, we're having the Lights of Hope, which normally is in September, um, which is um, the recovery month. Um, but we had to postpone our, ours because of Hurricane Florence this year, so we're having ours the 19th of this month. It's just like you light candles. People come together, and people in recovery come together, people that may be still out there using. If they see the hope that people in recovery can show them, that's what that's the person we're after is that person out there still using that hopefully we can reach them and they'll get into recovery because there is recovery out there but these people that are out using need to know that so that's part of what we do is try to reach we've got a whole group of moms that go and like take bags to the homeless like just i mean if you could read the stories it's amazing like a mom will say you know my son or daughter's in California and they're homeless. Can somebody go look? And one of the addict's moms will go and find that kid and give him some money and buy him some food. I mean, that's how we are. It's crazy. It's amazing. And we all stick together because we know like that could be my son. That could be my son. That could be my daughter that needs food. So, The one thing that I took away from looking at um, the addict's mom website was the pure compassion without judgment. I think that is one of the biggest things that needs to happen. If we start having compassion for each other and each other's story, then it becomes our story. So if Mm -hmm. you were talking directly to another mom out there, Janice, that's sitting on that fence of fear 
and they are afraid of taking the next step, but they're on the verge of losing a loved one, what exactly would you say to them to move them to get help and attend or get on the Addicts Mom website? What could you say personally to them right now? Um, I would say there's a wonderful group you can join where you're not alone. You can get on there. You can just read at first or you can ask questions, but everybody that's in that group is going through the same thing that you hear where they're in a different stage. Some people just find out that their child is using. Some people, their child's already passed and they still come in. It's just a wide, you don't know the, the range of who's in the group that you're in. Um, so sitting alone and holding on to that, that fear and sometimes guilt will eat you up. But the minute you open up about it or reach out to somebody, it loses its power over you. And that's, that's just huge. It's like you're only as sick as your secret. So if you've got a, a child that's using a drug, reach out to somebody, find, find the addict's mom, try and join it because you're not going to be alone anymore. You're not going to be sitting in your house freaking out, wondering if your kid's alive or dead, and you're going to have somebody you can talk to that knows what you're going through. You might still be going through it, but just having somebody to share with is huge. That's, I mean, when I was just found out about my son, and I felt like there's nobody I can talk to, and then I found this huge group of 30-some thousand women that I can talk to. It's amazing. To me. Have you found friends in there? I imagine that you have connected with some people that, you know, you have more in common with than others. Have you found friends? Absolutely. I actually have one sitting here in my house with me right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's a part of it. You know, we, it's such a, a sad, hard life. And, you know, I touched on something you said there was you are only as sick as your secrets. And how true is that? But don't mm-hmm. we tell our dearest friends our secret? And I'm sure that there's people in there that, you know, it's more uplifting rather than, you know, you get past the shame, you get past, you know, the stabilizing what's going on, and then do you get to the point of, I don't want to use the word joyful, but at least it's contemplative, quiet in your life. Does Absolutely. that happen to you? You do, you do, and I think even if your child is still using and they're yeah. still out there, you can get to a point where you know that you got to take care of you because really without you being healthy and your recovery, they if they ever decide that they do want recovery, you need to be in a healthy place. So, um, you know, we do, um, a lot of us go to Alan as well and belong to um other, you know, organizations. But, you know, that's the Addicts Mom is just a place where you can go, like, when you're home alone at night and you just want to reach out to somebody or you've got a question or something horrible comes up and you want to ask a question or you find something in your house. One lady found something and took pictures and said, what is this? And, I mean, you're going to have so many answers, like, right now, um, like, what it is, you know. Like, I didn't know this one lady posted something. I had no idea what it was, but what it was was, um, dabs, which I didn't even know what that was. It's like highly concentrated THC. So, I mean, people find like, um, like 
somebody said, where's a good hiding place for heroin? Well, there was like 100 answers in two hours. So, yeah, you know, right. like, because everybody's been there and we all want to help each other. Whatever we can do to help each other, that's what we want to do. We love each other. We're like sisters in a, in a special little group that we don't want to be in, but we are. We don't want to right. be there. So nobody thought, wants to, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I mean, we so just, you found nobody really wants to join the club. Of the right. Asthma, nobody wants. When, right. But you're just glad that you have somewhere where you can share without shame. Because nobody's going to go on their Facebook and say, my son's shooting up heroin. Nobody's going to do that. But in the addict's mom, you can say that. And nobody's going to judge you. Nobody will judge you there. And it's not just it's heroin. Just, it, it's the prescription. Anything. Alcohol. Is it anything. all yeah, anything? Pot, alcohol, 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 pot. Alcohol, any, just, okay. You know, alcohol. Yeah. Any, anything. Right. Any substance. Math is making a huge comeback, too. But, you know, right now, the opioids are getting the, the big publicity but really meth is coming back too so and that's even uh, might be even scarier than heroin i don't know it's all scary it's all evil it's evil and it takes i also watched yeah i also watched a program called chasing the dragon and you were talking about getting into the Mm. schools. have you seen that and do you think that's an effective way to start moving the awareness of this opioid crisis Absolutely, if that can get in the schools, I think as a as a young child, if I would have seen that, it probably would have made me wake up and say, "Hey, maybe I better not try this stuff," because if it's the one I'm thinking of, where they interview a bunch of people, it um, is. Yeah, that is powerful. And right now, our county, unfortunately, I don't think will allow that, but they're working on it. I think. Um, the House and the Senate are working on getting so that they have to educate kids in school about opiates. So hopefully that well, will happen I know you if can, it's not already. You can get that online at chasingthedragon.com. The question I have for you, and we're almost finished, is I have two guests following you. One is a representative and one is an attorney that works with both of these, with both sides of the law in helping this crisis. What do you want me to ask them, or is there something specific that you think I need to talk to them about? Mm. Um, well, I know the one. I know Russell Pry. Um, you touched on guess, legislation. Yeah, and I know he's working real hard on getting stuff done as far as passing several laws. And then Eric Bedingfield, who is no longer a, a representative, who lost a son to this epidemic. Um, they started this opioid um, task force kind of, and um, they, I think, had 12 laws. So, you know, if those all pass, that's awesome because we need them all. Um, We need to also, I mean, if you can tell Russell this. um, (laughs) this. I'll try. (laughs) What do you want me to say to him? Um, Like what they're doing is they're putting people in jail. Now, I'm not saying that people that steal and, and prostitute don't need jail time, but they need treatment in jail. That is okay. first and foremost treatment in jail because you've got all these guys that are in prisons here that are getting drugs brought in to them for real. I know this personally. Um, so they're not – not only are they getting worse in there because they're getting drugs delivered to them, but they're not getting treatment. So they're they're going into jail, doing their time, coming out worse than when they went in. And that's wow. a fact. Okay. Okay. Um, and we ninety percent of our jail is full is 
filled with people who have drug offenses. It's not like the murderers and the rapists. It's people that maybe got high on heroin and went and robbed somebody, and they didn't even have a real gun, but they get six years in jail. You know, wow. those people have a disease, and they need to start treating addiction as a disease and not a moral failing. That's huge right there. Very profound. They're not bad Very profound. Mm-hmm. Right. And people forget that. And it's and it's hard to forget when you're in the midst of crisis and they've done, uh, you know, stealing and, and taking things and abuse and everything else. But it all comes down to a disease of an addiction, which is treatable. If you're yes. willing to surrender and you've got the people like the addict's mom and you in particular around to say, yes, you can do this. Now, Janice, I know our time is almost up. How can people get a hold of you directly? I know that we can go to theaddictsmom.com. Do you want them to DM you there specifically, or how can they get a hold of you? Because maybe they want you to come speak somewhere as well. Um, Well, I am on Facebook under, it looks like Janice, but it's Janice Wright Collier. Um, So they could friend request me. Um, I definitely would refer them to the addict's mom probably. um, Okay. Because um, I joined the big group first before I joined the South Carolina chapter. That was back, you know, several years ago. Um, And it can be, it can be overwhelming. I'm, I'm, it can I would think so. So you actually went to the national organization first, which they have a Facebook page, right? Yes, and at that time was when actually my son went to treatment right at the same time that the founder's son went missing, and then they found him dead. Um, So I had a real weird, it was just a weird thing because I felt so bad for her son, so, so bad for her. She founded this organization, and I'm I'm happy that my son's in treatment, and she just found her son dead, and it's it's just it was it was very strange to how I felt. Like I wanted to be happy, but I was so incredibly sad for her. Like like how I mean, because you do is you have so much empathy as a mom that every mm-hmm. case, every single story that you read, you you empathize with them, and and you put yourself in the in their shoes, and. It's it's very hard. That's why I think just getting in a small chapter is that's just that's like where there's 230 or 250 in the South Carolina chapter. I'm sure like Florida's huge. They probably have 500, 800 because there's a huge problem down there in California, you know. But um, there's 30, 32,000 or 34,000 in the national one right now. Um, something like that. So, but so they how do they find stuff. this? Yeah, how do they found the South Carolina chapter? Do they log into the addict, uh, the addict's mom, or do they go? Is there a specific way they can go just to get to the South Carolina chapter? Yeah, that's a good question because I already belong. <laughs> I think if you go Thanks. and type in Google the addict's mom South Carolina, oh, I believe that's it probably it. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I can't do it because I already belong. So. And I've been a member for so a uh, few years. So I think if you typed in the Addicts Mom, South Carolina, or South Carolina, the Addicts Mom, either way, it would probably pop up. And then you would just click on, you know, join, and then somebody would um, 
you know, reach out to them and ask them the questions and then they could join. So So there's a vetting system that everyone goes through, which is very exceptional. And it sounds like it's pretty confidential. So it's a place where people can share and be safe and feel okay about that. Absolutely. Anything that you share in in there is, is not repeated. I mean, there's a whole list of rules you have to read. You can't share links to treatment places. I mean, they're very, because they don't want to um, come off as endorsing anywhere in particular because somebody might have had a bad, you know, something bad happened at a certain facility. So we don't really endorse anybody. But moms can, like, reach out to people and just ask questions, general questions about addiction and what would you do in this case and stuff like that. Like, there's just so many, so many things that come up, Um, just so many. Like, my son just took my debit card, should I press charges, different things like that. Now, that's going to be, you're going to end up with probably 50 different answers. But you take what you like and you leave the rest, you know, like... Hey, I like this answer, but I don't like this answer. But they're so alone, and they want to know what would you do if you were in my case, in my shoes. So, well, Janice Wright Collier, representing Jenny. the addicts, Jenny. I, I Sorry. see, and I keep writing it down. I'm reading it and writing it. Boy, I know. I'm, I'm. Can you tell when I'm into the subject? It's like that kind of stuff just kind of goes through my brain. But I'm really yeah. focused on what you're saying. The words were incredible, and it really laid the groundwork for us to go to the next step of talking to Representative Russell Fry about the legislation and Timothy Clay Culp about the the law side of all of this. So I really want to thank you, Denise Wright Collier from the Addict Mom in the South Carolina chapter for joining us on air. And I want to give a shout out thank you to Imagine Publicity once again for allowing me to be a part of this process and being the spokesperson to get the information out about the opioid addiction and all that's going on. So make sure that you read and you can re-listen to this podcast at Imagine Publicity or iTunes or wherever podcasts are shown and posted. And you can listen to Janice once again. And you know what? Share this information. She really said some wonderful, heartfelt information that a lot of people can learn from and hopefully will touch one of those lives out there, Janice that needs to contact the Addicts Mom online at www.addictsmom.com. Thank you again uh, for joining us, and I really appreciate your story and your courage for telling all of us what we need to hear about this opioid addiction. Thank you for asking me. I appreciate it. Yes. Have a good day, and stay out there, stay safe, and I hope your son keeps on his path to recovery. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank for you. Asking me to join. Uh-huh. Bye-bye.